man. I have been waiting for this episode for a while. This, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be one of the best episodes you may ever hear. For many of you, it's going to be a reaffirmation of things that you've heard me say before. But for some of you, this is all going to be brand new to you. We're going to talk about hours 36 to 40. For those of you that work 12-hour shifts and how badly you're getting gotten, so to speak, by almost every agency out there. If you only do work eight hours, shifts, I should say, listen to this episode too because we're going to talk about some overtime, callback, and holiday pay. It all goes hand in hand, and we're going to discuss it all this week on Travel Evolved. It's Travel Evolved. I am Mark Holloway. <laughs> Man, this is one of those I, I, I'm jazzed up about today's episode. Um, we're not talking about foodies and things like that. Not there's anything wrong with being a foodie. Let's just qualify that so I don't get censored or whatever. <laughs> After all, I am on Spotify, right? All right. <laughs> Enough of the politics. Anyway. I really, really, really am excited about talking about this episode today. This is one that you have got to listen to. Again, like I said in the intro a few minutes ago, for many of you, you know this concept, and this could be a great episode to clarify some things I say when I go really, really quickly. But I'm going to go really slow today, not because you guys need it, because I need it. I need to make sure that what I'm saying is really clear, crystal clear, because in my opinion... Today's episode is one of the most fundamental crimes that has been happening to travelers for the last, gosh, close to 10 years now, maybe maybe seven years, six years, eight, maybe eight. But this is a trend that is ridiculous. And I've been doing this for 22 years, as we've well documented here. This is not that old of a concept. And the things I'm going to talk to, some of you are going to curl your hair some people are going to get really mad. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to warn you. You're going to get mad listening to this episode. And you should, unfortunately. It's one of those episodes that should make you angry. I've talked to a lot of people in the last, however long we said, seven years, about this concept. And it seems like the longer people have been being paid in a certain way and not recognizing how bad they're getting stolen from, I mean, I don't know how else to put it, it tends to make people angry because that's how... I don't know if you just feel like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I wasn't thinking about this. But this is one of those that it is hard to think about what happens to you as a traveler, you know, for hours 36 to 40. And, and again, I'm not going to try to do the whole episode here just by talking about it, but I am going to go really slow and talk about what happens. This is a new concept. This is a new thing. And it is a way that 
agencies are making a ton of money off of you that should be your money. I'll, I'll phrase it that way. This is your money that somehow miraculously stays with the agencies for hours 36 to 40. And I've been upset about it for a while. I think it's, it's criminal. I think it's unfair. Unfortunately, you guys sign off on this stuff every day. And you agree to assignments and contracts that allow an agency to do this to you because they hide behind some things we're going to talk about, like tax advantage. This is wrong, and it should make you mad. Like I said, if you understand this concept, this episode will help you kind of be able to explain it to other travelers, uh, hopefully, if I do a good job on it today. And I, I don't ever practice these things, but I did write some notes down because I really want to take my time. But, man, this is probably one of the most important episodes that you can listen to, I think, in the next little while. I told you I had some great episodes coming up, and this is something that I think will open your eyes as to uh, just, I guess, the nature of our industry and how it's, how it's gotten in the last, last decade. It's, it has not gotten better, in my opinion. It's gotten to a point where you guys really have to be armed and protected. And I know sometimes I, I feel like I go overboard when I do some of those promos the team asked me to do where I'm like, you got to watch Travel Evolve to be protected from all of us bad agencies. But it's the truth. I mean, it really is. You guys cannot walk into being a traveler naive. And if you're really, really good about numbers, you understand this, listen, because there may be something I say that you've never heard before. Hopefully I say it right. All right, so let's go to some housekeeping things that I always like to do. And first and foremost... Um, I'm really grateful for all of you for spreading the word, for sharing, for continuing to listen. I, I know that not every episode is your cup of tea, but I do appreciate the fact that when the team tells me to look at the, the different stats, you know, all of our episodes are, and they're, just, they're climbing. And again, the idea should be that even though it's been 10 months now, 11 months maybe, 10 months, I think, I think 10 months, because we really started at the end of, I think, end of March, that these episodes should be able to go back and hopefully stand the test of time. There may be some things that change. Certainly, things we've gone through the last couple of years with with, with COVID and, and some of the, the rate increases. A lot of that stuff, you know, I hope some of the rate increases stay the same. But there will be some things that are less timely, so to speak. But the whole concept should be there. I just really have trouble with this screen that just always seems to drop on me. But anyway, so thank you all for, for again, there's a lot of people spreading the word about this. I will tell you that this, the podcast and the YouTube is called Travel Evolved with a D on the end of it. I get a lot of people say Travel Evolve, which tells people they have trouble finding it. It's Travel Evolved. In other words, your travel has is becoming evolved. Your travel is not becoming evolved. That doesn't make sense. So it's Travel Evolved. <laughs> so if you're going to tell people that, please. The, the, people are saying they're having trouble finding it because the D is not there. So I'm just being kind of silly, but that's the deal on that. So, Okay. Let's jump right in, because there's a lot to go over. I'm going to try to do it as concise as I can, but I also really want to make sure that I'm, I'm being very careful on what I'm saying so it really makes a lot of sense to you guys. This is not a tough concept, and like I say, just hear me out in this. So here is the typical <laughs> way that we bill, an agency bills for regular and for overtime and for all hours. I, I work with... <sighs> a lot of different vendors currently with my current company and it's all basically the same we all get a bill rate as you guys know for regular hours there are some nuances for california for example alaska used to have some but it's really mostly california now where for the most part you're billing the same for every hour between zero and forty 
Many contracts now, just so you guys know, I mean, I always like to beat us up, us agencies, but there are sometimes when I think it's important to tell you some of the other side of the story as I'm going to much more heavily as we go into the month of March, for example. There are lots of times I see contracts now where they're asking for 48-hour guarantees from a traveler, and they are telling us, you guys are not allowed to bill us until after 48 hours. So most agencies have to do some math and quick thinking on that or get you to agree to that kind of concept. I'm fine with all that. There's really nothing wrong with that. If we're all on the same page, I feel like everybody kind of wins. If you go into an assignment knowing that you're not going to get overtime until after 48, the hospital has told the us agencies we're not going to build a bill until after 48, then I think that's pretty fair. You can either agree or not agree. If you want to hold an agency or some agencies are worried about labor laws, they may give you a rate up to 40 and then give you another rate after 40 hours to 48. That still blends it, so it's it's no different. You're still making the same blended rate as you would from the first hour to the 48th hour. A lot of agencies will do that just because they're worried about some traveler saying, hey, I'm going to you know try to make life difficult for an agency. But for the most part, I think if you agree to a certain compensation package, you agree to it, which is what you guys do every day with your hours from 36 to 40. So the last time I looked, for the most part, let's talk about like 99% of the contracts that we sign. We have a bill rate. It is the same hourly bill rate for the first hour, the first 15 minutes. Really, if you want to break it up into 25-minute increments, that's typically, I'm sorry, 15-minute increments, that's typically what most hospitals do with their Cronus report and everything else. You round up or down to the nearest 15-minute or 0.25 of the hour. It's the same bill rate in every contract I have. For the first hour, all the way through the 36th hour, and including the 37th, 38th, 39th, and 40th hour. There is very little, if ever, is there a contract that does that has a difference <coughs> Excuse me, in any hours between 0 and 40, with the exception of California, where it's a daily. We're not going to talk about that today. We're talking about just normal contracts. So I really want you to hear me. We are billing the same, and right now we're just going to use $120, because that's about what the rates are on an average for you know just a, a just a general non-COVID situation. 120 bucks an hour. We are billing that for hour number one. We are billing that for hour 39, right? So there's no difference. Overtime, by the way, and I should talk about overtime because I think for those of you that aren't on 36-hour work week, I want to address this. For most of us agencies, there is an overtime difference, but it is not one and a half times that 120. In other words, we're not billing another $60 and billing $180 for overtime. No, it's typically $8 more an hour, so $128, sometimes $10 an hour, so it's $130. So that's all calculated in because those really are extra hours. I'll explain that here in a second. But what I'm getting at is that that's the difference for overtime, oftentimes holiday and callback. It is that additional slight bump, which for the facility, they believe that that allows us to cover payroll and payroll overtime, callback, whatever that has been, been agreed to. But what they're not doing is they're not encompassing our benefits that we offer. They're not encompassing certainly housing, any kind of travel reimbursement. All that is taken care of because we have our 36 hours in this case, today's example, already taken care of for the week. So they've gotten smart, and it's really good for the hospital because they are saving money and allowing you guys to make more by billing us agencies or letting us agency bill them, I should say, just a slight amount to encompass just the payroll portion of anything that you work for holiday, callback, and overtime. I think I covered that in the in the holiday, I'm sorry, the overtime episode I did early on. If not, go back and listen to it. So there is that overtime factor. It is time, you know, it is allows us to pay more because, and I'll get into it here in a second, but that's the way the rule works. I hope it was really clear. We are pay, billing 
the same amount. You you get a bid, we bid on it. That's your bill rate. That's what you've promised you're going to pay. You know, the agency's going to, I'm sorry, the vendor's going to pay the agency for every hour that you work. And from there, we all calculate how much we're going to pay based upon what we're about ready to cover. The really important thing I want you to hear there is it doesn't change after the 36th hour. There is no difference in the 37th hour or any increment thereof for the next four hours for hours, basically 36 to 40. It's the same exact amount that we are billing that facility or they are paying us, whichever way you want to look at it, for those hours between 36 and 40. It's the same. Oh, I hope I covered that. <laughs> Pretty sure I did. Okay, so... How do we calculate compensation? Just, just take that whole concept and just kind of file it away for a little minute because I want to go into some other things. But we're going to come back, and that's just important you guys understand that. So how is it that agencies calculate how much we're going to pay you? It's really pretty simple, guys and gals. We have a, every agency has a calculator that they use, and it's predicated on that bill rate. They all, we all plug that bill rate in. And from that, the first thing that most agencies do is they, they calculate a true bill rate based upon how much that vendor is going to charge us for us to hold that contract or have that contract to be able to play with a vendor. And I don't want to get into too much with vendors. I'm going to do a whole episode on that. But typically, for us to participate, in a, to play in a contract that we don't own, and 95% of most of the smaller or medium-sized, even some of the larger agencies don't own their own contract, we pay a vendor 5%. Right, so on a hundred dollar bill rate, you're paying five bucks. So it's not a huge. We're not talking about a huge amount of money, but you know, so like at 120, we're talking about uh, six dollars an hour, right? So six bucks of that bill rate would go keeps and stays with the vendor. We don't get it. So truly, in that example, we're actually billing 114 dollars an hour. So just know that it's not that important for today's topic. But understand that's the first thing that all of us agencies do. We say, what are we really going to be able to bill? We can't really bill. We're not going to get 120 bucks an hour for this traveler, but we are going to get 114 after that vendor takes that fee. Because typically, the hospital takes care of the vendor. The vendor then keeps their 5%, and then they go ahead and they pass the rest along to us when they darn well feel like it, which is like six or seven weeks after we have invoiced them. The very next thing all of us agencies do is figure out how much money do we want to make. And this is where, you know, listening to Travel Evolve is really going to help you guys. Every agency has a different margin, a different way of calculating that margin. What are they going to incorporate into that percentage that they want? I've shared with you guys that back in 2019, the average mom and pop lifestyle business type agency, they were averaging around a 26% margin, all said and done. I know for a fact that has increased up higher. I, I can't tell you exactly what it is. I don't truly know. But I do know it is, based upon what I'm seeing, what you guys are sharing with me, it's averaging over the last couple of years about 28 to 29%, which is like big company, the big three-letter company kind of territory. They are probably even higher now. Matter of fact, I know they are. So this, this, this industry has gone from 26% to, let's just say, you know, close to 30% margins. That's the very next thing that an agency is going to do. We're going to calculate what our margin, how much money we want to make hourly in order to basically float that payroll for six weeks. What do we want to get when this is all done? And in most cases, let's just say for today's example, for some agencies, it's going to be 30% of that $114 we just talked about. Straightforward, right? 
Okay, so from there, we know what we have to play with. We've got all of what is basically going to Uncle Sam for tax purposes and what, it rest, what the rest of it that's going to you. So we've carved out us, we've carved out the vendor, now it's yours and Uncle Sam. Obviously, the more money you have that is being paid to you taxable, the more Uncle Sam's going to get. Most of us have sophisticated enough calculators, and I say calculator, I'm talking about a program that allows us to plug in what the GSA is in that particular county to know what's the max we can make tax-free and what's the and what's left over basically has to be taxable. Obviously, the more that's taxable, it will affect the taxable portion, which might decrease what is actually available to you and increase also what is available to you based upon that assignment. If that all makes sense, we're playing around with basically your money and Uncle Sam's. We're not playing around with it. It's Typically, what are we going to give you tax-free based upon, hopefully, a GSA? And then what's left and how much is that going to pay taxes? And the more taxable, the, the, the more that's going to affect you know, your, your actual total compensation, if that does make sense. I hope it does. So here's what's kind of crazy about this whole scenario. It's all based upon the GSA, theoretically. So again, I've always told you guys, be very, very careful when you are looking at assignment just based upon how much the gross earnings are in that location. I'm going to work in, in San Diego and I'm going to make a whole bunch of money or I'm going to be down in Miami or some other you know, larger city. Always, please, keep in mind what your expenses are going to be. I've told you guys many times to treat this like a business and you really should be. So don't bypass a potential decently strong paying assignment that is in a rural area that the housing might be really inexpensive and the cost of living while you are just eating and going out and living in that town for 13 weeks might actually keep more money in your pocket. So really pay attention to that. And don't just be swayed by some slick-talking recruiter who says, hey, you're going to be making this amount of gross and you really get excited about that because the location's nice and you didn't really start thinking about what's it going to cost me in my business mindset to actually live and survive there. So this is all based upon the GSA. The higher the cost of living, the more that you're allowed to take for tax-free, and the, the better that actually does. It lowers your, your total gross down to more and more of that being tax-free. But obviously, there is a limit. Now, most companies, I know there's some different companies have different rules of how they like to do it. A lot of companies max it out and say, here's the most we can give you. You don't certainly ever have to take anything tax-free, let alone the max tax-free. You guys should know that. Some companies I'm hearing are, are, are trying to back down from the max. They want to make sure they're not audited or who knows what their true reason is, but they are maybe offering 80%, 90% of what the maximum value can be uh, in that particular county. There's reasons why they do it, and it's, up to, it's their decision to make that. And a lot of travelers, sometimes I've heard, are getting upset that they can't take the full amount. But again, that's what, how that whole calculation works. So clearly what we're doing as an agency is we're basically seeing how much are we going to give this traveler tax-free for those 36 hours? And that's the really important thing to think about here. Notice that when you get a contract, what does it look like? Almost all the time, you get, you're getting a quote of an hourly taxable figure. Here's how much you're going to get taxed hourly. Sometimes they'll be kind enough to go ahead and multiply that by 36 to show you what that comes to weekly. Then they're going to also give you typically, again, every contract I see is the same, a weekly tax-free housing stipend based upon hopefully what is the GSA in that county. And then a weekly portion of your meals and incidentals, which is really part of your hourly compensation that they're saying we shouldn't be taxing because this is how much it costs to live in that county. Now, those are finite numbers. Notice how one of them is an hourly figure, your taxable income, while the other two are weekly lump sum figures because it's based upon how much you can take daily, typically multiplied by seven days a week.
But it's a finite number. It has a cap to it. It is, again, when, when recruiters will tell you this is the most we can give you, they're, they're being truthful. This is the most we can give you in that county. There's not a lot of agencies left anymore that want to give you more money than you're supposed to tax-free. It's not a good practice, and it doesn't make sense. But understand how this whole thing is being set up. When you guys look at your contract, oftentimes they're giving you taxable hourly, and they're giving you a weekly amount lump sum tax-free. By the way, I'm not going to talk about shorting and, and guaranteed hours and how that affects on today's episode when you guys don't get your hours in. How, what happens to my taxable, my housing site? What happens to my tax-free amount? We'll talk about that. I've got that coming up. Today, I really want to kind of make you mad about what's happening here. So, hope you guys are all following me right now. So far, again, we are dealing with the fact that you have a contract that kind of isn't really very easy to understand because one of those figures is based upon hourly, and the other two basically are, are, are lump sum weekly. This is kind of by design, but it is also to, to I guess, defend all of us agencies. It is the easiest way to do it because it really is based upon and it should always be based upon, and really hear this, it's based upon the number of days that you're living in that county and the cost of living. It has nothing, zero, whatsoever to do with how much money you make. I hope that's really clear to you guys. It doesn't matter how many days you're really working truthfully, because take the way that you're an allied or a nurse professional. If you were an IT consultant working in a town and you were working five days a week and you got sick, your per diem doesn't go down. And it shouldn't, by the way, with nursing. It certainly shouldn't with Allied as well. So this is a lump sum figure, both of these two. Sometimes they'll add them together. They'll also sometimes add all three of them together, and they will tell you, here's exactly what your weekly gross would be. I still have issues with agencies that like to tell you what your net is because they're making a lot of assumptions. I wouldn't ever want to be quoted in net because it does fluctuate based upon the number of hours you work, higher, more hours, more money, higher tax bracket you could go into. And they also don't know the wrinkles and nuances. They can estimate it. But if I were you guys, I'd be asking for gross weekly amounts so you can compare apples to apples. Because that's really what you want to be able to do in order to really figure out what company is truly paying you the most. So that's just kind of a side note for me. Okay, so I hope I'm doing a good job. I know I kind of, haven't really made any kind of aha moments yet, but there is a reason why I'm doing this episode this way because I really want to make sure you guys are following along with me. So hopefully I did that slow enough and, and I was accurate because sometimes I misspeak to be honest with you <laughs> I hope I didn't do that this time so that's kind of how it's working remember we're billing the same for all these hours you now have a taxable income that you're that you've been quoted for every hour that you work on this assignment every hour right notice how it, it doesn't say hours 1 to 36 it just says here's your taxable hourly income typically on the contracts I see now again notice how it also says by the way here's what we're gonna pay you weekly typically for housing and for housing reimbursement and for meals and incentives. And again, there may be some language in your contract about if you don't get your 36 hours in, there could be some penalties. We could, we could short that. Again, that's, that's very agency-specific, so look that over make sure you understand. Okay, now here's how they get you. Here's the aha moment, and I'm just going to jump right into this. I want you guys to notice what, the, what, how you've been getting paid for the last seven or six or eight years, however long this has been happening. What happens when you are in that 37th hour? What is your compensation? Typically, I shouldn't say typically, overwhelmingly almost all the time, let's just be honest. What you get in that 37th hour is just the taxable part of this agreement you signed. Is that true? Tell me if I'm wrong. Put the comments down below. 
Every one of you that call me, every one of you, categorically, not once, has someone said, no, that's not the way I get everything. No, no. You get taxable income for the hours 36 to 40 only. Does that seem right? How come your income for that 37th hour, your total compensation just went down? Because if you think about it, it really did. Let's not talk about housing today, because housing is kind of a separate issue, and I will tackle this, and it's a little more complicated. But I do want to talk today about the meals incidentals, incidentals portion. That is still income. It is your income that the government has said we can make that portion of your income tax-free because you're living in this cost of living for this town, for those that amount weekly. That makes sense. It is still your income, but it cannot be any more than that lump sum that they're talking about, as I just said earlier, tax-free. But here's the kicker. What it could be is taxable along with your income for those hours 36 to 40. It's still your money. I hope I'm going <laughs> making sense on this one. When an agency is calculating the meals and incidentals, they are basically carving out from your hourly taxable income, what can be tax-free? And they are saying, here's what we can make weekly tax-free. The last time I looked, that is still income for you. It just happens to be tax-free. So why is it your company isn't saying, all right, let's figure out what that would be hourly? And I'm going to use a really easy figure. I always do. Let's say it's 360 bucks a week. This makes my math super easy. That would mean that that was $10 an hour that you're getting tax-free weekly for every theoretically hour that you work along with the taxable income that they have quoted you on your contract. So why is it for hours 36 to 40, they're not adding $10 to your income, because it is your income, and taxing you on the entire thing the way the government would want them to? Nope, what do they do? Most agencies, if not every single agency, almost, says, well, we can't give you any more money tax-free because we've maxed out the GSA, and that's true. But they could be taxing you on it. The last time I looked, the government doesn't mind if you also are showing higher income, which is true, for more hours, and you're giving the government more taxable dollars. This is not wage recharacterization. Having more income and being taxed fully on it and appropriately on it is just like anybody else, is not wage recharacterization. It is income, period. It just happens to all be taxed. That is not illegal. It is not wrong, and the government doesn't mind that. They kind of like it, actually. So, so when you think, well, why would I want to? So for every $10 you're making, I didn't finish my sentence right there because I'm so fired up. I get so angry. Sure, the government's going to maybe take $3, maybe even $4, depending upon right now with these rates, it could be a lot. But that doesn't, are you going to walk away from the five or six that you're, you should be putting in your pocket? Are you going to walk away from the three or four that they're taxing you and have that as a tax credit that you're paying? Why would you walk away from that is your money. But instead, what agencies do is they just keep it. If you think about it, for anything, I don't care if it's 15 minutes over 36 hours, you just lost $2.50. doesn't sound like a lot, but think about how many hours it is that you guys have worked over 36 hours when you're giving charge report, changeover, you're, you know, you're having a tougher patient, you got a patient, you have to talk a little bit more about what that patient was dealing with. It is thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars every year that you guys are walking away from. And an agency is just simply keeping. I mean, that's the way they look at it. Most people in my position just say, oh, we're just, well, you know, we're just keeping it. They've, they've agreed to this, and you guys have. You've agreed to this every single time you sign a contract, and you need to stop because this is ridiculous. Because what did I say at the very beginning? I am billing, and we are all billing, including your company, 
is billing the same exact dollar amount for that 37th hour that they did for the first 36. So they just increased their profit margin on your efforts. You're the one at the hospital, you're the one doing the work, and you let them do it all day long. And it is not what you, the way the, agency, the industry used to be. This is a new wrinkle. As more and more people started getting into the industry, they started realizing about tax advantage. And I don't know, again, who created this concept, but the way we present it to you with that hourly taxable amount and then these two weekly lump sums, especially this meals and incidentals ones, it's hidden. It's hard for you guys to see. So don't be too angry with yourself. But do be angry that this is not true. I don't know any other industry in the country that people agree that if you work after, just because you guys are on 12-hour shifts doesn't mean that you shouldn't make literally almost half sometimes the amount of money well right now with the tax advantage it's not half because there's so much money to be made and you can only make so much tax-free but why you would walk away and actually decrease your income for working more hours is beyond me but you guys do it every single day and you shouldn't you should look for a company and there are some out there i, I know one i don't know who else is i honestly can't plug anybody else but this is not the way the industry used to be it is a huge business for those for all companies that do this because it really does increase they're counting on this they are increasing their normal profit margin when we're calculating how much we're going to pay you we make an assumption that we're going to be you know 13 weeks times 36 hours which is 468 or 13 weeks times you know eight hours which is 520 so for those of you that are on that 468 hour schedule it does stink when you when you get sick and you can't work it but everything you do over 468 should be where everybody wins. It is more revenue for the agency that we weren't counting on. We needed that. We, we based everything on that. So if you're working more hours, I don't care if you work 469 hours in a 13-week, that extra hour is revenue that we didn't calculate when we were quoting you your pay rate. So it's bonus. It's extra money. So why an agency needs to feel like they need to literally you know, go higher for their income makes no sense to me. So I want to talk a little bit about how, how much money these agencies are making because I think it should again make you a little bit upset if to say the least I'm gonna use $150 bill rate I should have done that from the beginning but I just did so on average I just did some real quick numbers here so you guys could see on average on a $150 bill rate at a 30% margin if you take away 5% an agency you know, on those first, it might be making 42, I'm sorry, you're, yeah, an agency making $42.75 an hour. That's a ton of money at 30%. If you got to do the math on that, that's, I mean, that's, that's, is that significant? Yes, it is. That's what the, that's what agencies are making nowadays. And we're going to have a whole episode based upon this whole concept I wanted to let you guys know about. It's significant when, when they pay their bills. And by the way, there's reasons for this. I'm not going to sit there and say this is free money. It's not. We don't work for free, but that seems like a lot. On a 30% margin, it really is. $42 an hour for an agency to basically have you working through them is a ton of money. Now, that sounds high because it is high. We're talking about $150 bill rate in this example, so put that in mind. Literally three years ago, the average bill rate was about half that, maybe slightly more than that. So it wasn't a huge amount of money. It is right now because everybody, including agencies, are making a ton of money right now. So take that $42.75 an hour I just mentioned, and it's a lot. I want you to understand that for that 37th hour, if you do the math right, and I, by the way, I have, and I've triple-checked this, 
it's a 45% increase in their margin for every hour after 36. So if a company is in fact, and I just took an average of a GSA, you know, across the country, kind of rural America, that 42.75 goes up to $94.66 an hour for everything you do between hours 36 and 40. That's significant. It's more than twice the amount of money. Well, it's not it's 45% more. It's almost twice the amount of money. So an agency that is doing this to you guys literally just almost doubled their revenue for you guys working an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, you name it, longer than you normally were expected to make. And this is extra money that we didn't count on when we were calculating your rate. So it is a big margin. Now, what the problem is, what's happened is many agencies have started counting on this. They're looking at how much extra, or I should say hours between 36 and 40, they're averaging a year. And this is now part of their revenue and profit margin model. They need this. They count on this. So it's going to be tough if you guys start asking agencies to pay you what I just mentioned. I want all my money for meals and incidentals added back in and fully taxed. They're all going to look at you and say no until you start finding some companies that are willing to. And then eventually, like I've always said with you guys, you can change the industry. You can make a difference. And pretty soon they're going to have to if they want to employ you. But you're going to get a lot of kickback on this at the very beginning. You'll see very quickly... Um, a, how little recruiters understand this, that's number one, and B, how the people that are in charge of telling the recruiter what to say and how to say it will be very adamant and defiant about paying you this properly. They will hide behind everything from wage recharacterization to the things we've already mentioned, but the fact is, this is your money and it should and could be paid this way, they just might choose not to, which means you could look for a different company. Okay, so I went through that pretty quickly. Now, here's the thing I told all of you that were eight-hour people to please hang in there with me. I want to talk about overtime, callback, and holiday pay because that $10 an hour that I was discussing on that example where it was $360 a week, that extra $10 an hour, that should be added into your calculation of what is multiplied by 1.5 for your overtime, your holiday, and your callback, not just the taxable portion. Does that make sense? I've always used this example... It's just it's easy. Let's just say your taxable income was, in this case today, nowadays, let's say it was $40 an hour. Well, if you look at your overtime, you might be at 60 bucks an hour. That's what most contracts openly and clearly state. In my example, if let's say you were getting $360 a week for meals and incidentals, that $10 should be added to your $40 an hour. In other words, it should be $50 an hour, and that should be multiplied by 1.5. So it should be $75 an hour, not $60 an hour. I hope that made sense. When people are calculating overtime, why are they not taking your full compensation into, into play and looking at what that full amount of money should be? Because that's how much it should be. This is my full compensation. I don't want to get time and a half of just my taxable compensation. I want to make time and a half of what I'm actually being paid. Anybody else in the country that has a different job all ask the same exact very innocent question. When you are asked to work holiday or callback, if you're an hourly employee, Typically, last time I checked, you get time and a half of your compensation. So why is it that you guys are agreeing to only getting time and a half of your taxable compensation? It's another one of these areas. Now, holiday pay is a little weird, and I've said this on the holiday episode. It is a money loser for us agencies when you only work 36 hours, and one of those or one-third of those or even sometimes two-thirds of those are paid at time and a half or one and a half times. It hurts because actually our margin can plummet and we could even lose money. So more and more agencies are getting a little smart 
about how to take care of holiday pay for those examples. And I don't fault them for that. And I don't think you guys should either, if that makes sense to you. It is really hard on a normal week when literally one third of your entire income is paid at a higher rate and we're still billing the same 36 hours, which yes, we are able to pay you know, bill more for, for, let's say, 12 of those hours, but it's only $10 more. So that's a really big deal. When you work overtime or you're called back in and you get your normal hours, that is the extra money I'm talking about. So it should be paid fairly. So if I'm going to beat that up with those agencies, I do need you guys to understand that it is also not that fair to ask an agency to pay one-third of your check at holiday pay when you're only getting 36 hours. It's complicated. I don't want to go into it really too much in today's episode, but it is an unrealistic expectation because again I've I've always told you us agencies we are not going to lose money on the deal just the way it is but there's a reasonable amount of money we should be making we shouldn't be almost doubling our income and our profit when you work over 36 hours for those of you guys to do it's I, I, I hope that whole thing I just went through and I did go through it quick because it's not a long episode but it's a meaty episode I hope that all made sense this is absolutely an episode that you should be rewinding, listening to more than once. Please share this with people because this is really important. I hope that made sense on the overtime and the callback that when you are getting paid that, why are you only getting paid time and a half of a taxable income? What's what's the explanation behind that? It can't be because you've maxed out your GSA. About the, it have nothing to do with tax-free. It's just that's just the way it's done. And what's unfortunate about it is that's also just the way you guys agree to let them do it every single solitary time. You need to add that back in. It's simple math. Take that figure that they put for meals and incentives or whatever they, if they're saying tax-free weekly, as long as it's not housing. Divide that by 36 for those of you that are working you know, 36 hours a week. And by the way, divide it by 40 for those of you that are working 40. Add that into the taxable income and multiply that figure times one and a half, and that should be what your callback, your uh, your overtime, and potentially your holiday pay based upon what the rest of the assignment looks like. So, Did I do a good job on that? I hope I did. I, I really I struggle with this stuff because I get passionate about it. I get angry about it, and I do understand it's really difficult to also listen or watch without having any kind of visual uh, aid to be able to help help and I mean I just I frankly I just don't have the time to, to have and we can do we can set up screens and our, there's a software we can use but it's just it's really difficult I'm trying to get these things out every week and, and still run a company which is not that easy so there you go all right on that note holy cow um, exciting times in travel healthcare to say the very least there's a lot going on out there there's a lot of things working for you guys There's a lot of things working against you it's just a really dynamic i think is the best way i can put it time to be a healthcare professional that travels and i will tell you guys that you really need to educate yourself on these kinds of things. i talk to people every day and most a lot of you guys i've talked to you guys know i have and i and I, I can't thank you guys enough because you keep me up to date you keep me with my finger on the pulse of what's going on so it's really helpful for me and that's one of the main reasons i like to do it Second of all, I like to help. So, I mean, I'm trying to do that too. But I talk to a lot of people that are really naive sometimes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this person's going to get chewed up and spit out. And they're going to get eaten alive for a while. And then they're going to go through, you know, unfortunately, the learning curve. And they're going to get a little bit gristled, a little bit toughened. And then hopefully they'll make it and stay a traveler. And they'll be a little bit more seasoned. That just seems to be the natural normal progression. There's a lot of stuff out there that's not just me that can help you guys get through some of this stuff. And I'm working to actually have some uh, some people on that, that might actually be some other people like me 
that maybe our travelers that might help. So I'm looking at bringing that on board because I think it's going to be really helpful. There's really good stuff out there, but you got to be careful. There's also some just complete misinformation as well. Um, it seems like those folks that give misinformation are kind of one or two and done kind of people. The ones that seem to have a good following, that have a lot of people listening to them, I, for the most part, they're, they're saying it right on. And again, they give you things I cannot give you here on Travel Evolve, and that is real firsthand experience. I've always said, I've been doing this for 22 years. I know a lot of people. I've been in hospitals. I've actually been alongside travelers while they're working and trying to stay out of the way, in a lot of ERs especially. Um, but I cannot obviously explain what it's like to do what you guys do and to take the risks that you guys take and to jump on the road. So just be a sponge out there. Get everything you can. But this kind of stuff, this is so important to your success as a traveler because if you don't know this stuff, you're going to get eaten alive. Like I, now, like I said a few minutes ago, the biggest thing you're going to stumble up against is right now, this is like industry standard. Well, what is industry standard? It's what's standard right now. This did not used to be industry standard. So for any young you know, guy or gal who's your recruiter who's sitting there saying, this is the way we do it, say, yeah, but I'm, you're not that old, typically and probably. They didn't used to do it this way at all before. And for those of you that have been around for a while, and I hope there's a lot of you out there listening to this, you know I'm right. This is not the way you used to get quoted. It was a lot of complicated, true compensation quotes that incorporated the right way to do it. And now all of a sudden, it's just we've gotten away from that because, unfortunately, you guys are agreeing to this stuff. And if you agree and sign that this is the way I am wanting to get paid, it's really hard to get upset with a, with a company who's allowing this to happen. So start thinking. Start being a little bit more demanding of your company. And I'm telling you guys, not to get on the soapbox, but if you guys start saying, this is the way I want to get paid, you're going to find a company that will do it this way. And the more companies that do it this way, the, the other companies that aren't are going to find themselves in trouble. Now, I'm going to make a lot of enemies, but it's the truth. It's the way it should be. Pay people right. Pay people accordingly. If you need to increase your margins to, to do it the right way, then fine, do it that way. But you're going to find yourself not being competitive. But this BS about paying people and hiding behind taxable income, and we can't we can't put any more. And using that as a reason why they couldn't give you taxable income is crazy. And run this by any CPA, by the way, of what I just said. Let him or her listen to this, and have them tell me I'm wrong, and put put tell I'm wrong down below, because there won't be anything down there, because I'm not wrong about what I'm saying. This is legal and it's proper, and it's the way you guys should be paid. Guys, as always, I appreciate it. I hope that all made sense. Please share this episode with everybody that's out there on the road. You're going to make a difference. Don't just keep this one to yourself. Save it. Share it on, on you know, Facebook. Send it to somebody on a text. You can share episodes on YouTube. You can share episodes on a lot of different platforms that we're on, on podcasts. So do that, and you're going to start changing this industry. And I will catch you guys next time on Travel Evolves.